Adams, Adamly, Adamowski, Bueller, Burns, Burns, Burns. It's time for school, Rock School, with your hosts, Dr. Joe Burns. Well, there is a Bugs Bunny cartoon called What's Opera Doc? Killed a wabbit. Right. Killed a right. wabbit. Right, right, right. And that killed a wabbit, killed a wabbit, is Wagner. Class is in. This is the Rock School Radio Show and the Rock School Radio Network. I'm Joe Burns. Who are you, dear? Well, I think I'm Tammy Burns. Yeah, you are. You think too much. That's the problem. When you uh, when you think of classical music, there's only about, what, 10, maybe 12 names that come out of the blue, come out of the gray matter? Yeah, like maybe, Bach, if. Bach, Beethoven. Mozart. Mozart, right. Debussy, yeah, those okay, names, three. right. Well, I ran across in my research to try and find more and more and more names and more and more and more content for this radio show, this really neato mosquito article called How Much Money Do Famous Composers Make? Well, it's by this guy named Stephen Pritchard, and it's on the Adzuna blog. So I contacted Stephen Pritchard, and I said, do you mind if I use the content of your article yeah. for a rock school radio show? And, and he was kind enough to say, please go ahead. I'd love for you to do that. And I can see right now on your iPadio device, I'm you... Lo- I'm looking him up. Right. You have run to go find that. Once again, how much money do famous composers make? It's on the Adzuna blog. And it's by Stephen Pritchard. And you'd think to yourself, because these guys are known the way they are, just for the sake of argument, we'll start with uh, Johann Sebastian Bach. You would think these are the rock stars of the day. You would think they'd make at least an equal amount of money to, say, Nickelback, for goodness sake. Well, it's yeah. Bach, tell me that he goodness. makes at, at least the equal amount of money to, you know, to Nickelback, for goodness sake. Well, Pritchard figured out how much these guys make, and some of it is, okay, I'll buy that, and some of it is surprisingly low. At least I thought it was surprisingly low. So let's take a look at it. Bach. Here we are, known for the Toccata and Fugue in D minor. It says here, Bach was paid 300 thalers, I think. T-H-A-L-E-R-S, Thalers, as a schoolmaster in Leipzig from 1723 to 1750, room and board were paid for, and he is thought to have had made extra money on the side from composing and personal tuition. Okay, fine. What does that equate to? Yeah. His income in 1750, if you ran it forward to today, would be worth, ready, ready, ready? I am. 28,000 euros. And if you look at the euro today, it's only slightly more than the dollar. So you could probably just about take it into dollars. So maybe, maybe a little, little less in dollars, but 28,000. And you think to yourself, shouldn't it be... 
Much, much more. Bajillions. You would think, but that's what it comes out to be. Now it says here that, again, he made more money on the side and also his room and board was paid for, but that still doesn't seem like a lot for Johann Sebastian Bach. So what are we going to play? Well, a lot of Bach's music was used for rock songs of the day. Whiter Shade of Pale by Procol Harum was based on his orchestral suite number three air. But we're going to play one from 1965, A Lover's Concerto by The Toys, based on J.S. Bach's minuet in G from Anna Magdalena's Notebook. Nice. And it sounds like this on Rock School. about do you make more money than the classical composers that you know? Beethoven, Ludwig van. <laughs> now you'd think it gotta be a ton of money, right? It has to be. Sure, owed to joy, right? Gotta be. Owed well, to money. According to Stephen Pritchard, again in this piece, How Much Money Do Famous Composers Make? The income between 1809 and 1827 of Ludwig van Beethoven. It says here, Beethoven was paid 4,000 florins a year from 1809 on the condition that he remain in Vienna for the rest of his life. This allowance was originally paid by three patrons, but after the death of Prince Lobkowitz, I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly, and Prince Kinski, Archduke Rudolf paid the amount in full until Beethoven died in 1827. Okay, fine. Moving forward, what would 4,000 florins have been worth Today, no, no idea. Approximately a hundred thousand dollars a year. Okay, better than J.S. Bach, but the fact still remains: a hundred thousand dollars a year is a managerial job. It's it's not like he's knocking down the walls. No, he's he's like the manager, well, less than the manager of a, a McDonald's. <laughs> oh, I don't know about that. Do you think the manager of a McDonald's makes over $100,000 oh, yeah, a year? Yeah, probably about 140. You think so? Yeah. What am I doing teaching? I don't make that kind of cash. I don't know. You're doing it for the people. I got to go flip hamburgers if that's how much the manager of a McDonald's makes. Now, all of a sudden, you've made me rethink my entire life's thought process. That whole going to college didn't work out for you, huh? I was thinking about composing classical music, (laughs) but now I'm going to go make French fries. No, you can't do the the classical music. Oh, jeez. No, I... My whole world is blown here. Okay, so what are some rock songs based on Ludwig van Beethoven? Past, Present, and Future by the Shangri-Las is based on his piano sonata, number 14, Moonlight. This Night by Billy Joel is adapted from one of his piano sonatas. And the one we're going to play from 1969, Because, by the Beatles, is inspired by Ludwig van's piano sonata, number 14, Moonlight, and it sounds like this on Rock School. (laughs) 
Okay, coming out of the Beatles, let's talk further about what classical musicians made. Wolfgang Amadeus Mozart. Amadeus, Amadeus. Right, must have been rich, 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 rich. Right. Ready, 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 ready? Yeah. Okay. This is the income between 1781 and 1791. And you think, well, why don't you do the whole time? I'm sure this is what the author Pritchard could have gotten his hands on. It says here, Mozart's income from teaching, performance, and publication is thought to have averaged 3,000 to 4,000 florins in the decade before he died. This would have afforded him an upper-middle-class lifestyle in the 18th century Vienna, a far cry from the popular view that he died a pauper. And I think the vast majority of what we in the, the world now believe about Mozart probably comes from the movie Amadeus which, as far as I know, is about as incorrect a movie as can be created. The death requiem, supposedly, in the movie is what killed him. Right. When in reality, it was probably eating uncooked pork. That's the theory that I have heard is the leading idea. What would that be? Trichinosis? Uh, Is that the... Gross is what it is. The disease that got you. The only thing I've read is that it was a heavy, heavy fever that he had before he passed. I don't think you get a heavy, heavy fever from uh, composing a song that's hurting you. Raw pig will kill you so fast. I've I've composed some really, really bad songs, and I've (laughs) never gotten a bad fever over them. Other people have... Now, okay, what does that have to do? Well, let's take those, uh, what is it, 3,000 to 4,000 florins. If you moved that today, it would be about 100,000 euros. And I did look it up. The euro to dollar, one euro is about $1.07. Yep, that's what I found. Yeah, and I get the seven cents is a little bit more, but... You know, for radio's sake, you can pretty much just figure a euro to a, you know, to a dollar. Mm-hmm. I get there's seven cents in there, but it's not like a euro is a dollar and 86 cents. So it's it's almost a straightforward. So there you go. There's Wolfgang Amadeus Mozart. Again, not a ton of cash like you'd think. Let's play a song from 1972. Song Song Blue by Neil Diamond is based on Mozart's Piano Concerto Number no. 21, second movement. Thank goodness he used the second movement. The first one would have... Oh, it sucked. Just not have been as great. <laughs> Here's Neil Diamond here on Rock School. Wonderful. Neil, then just stay up with me for this song, will you? Song Song Blue Everybody knows what Song, song, blue Every garden Let's do one more before the first break here. Antonio Vivaldi. Can you come up with the large piece that Vivaldi is known by? No, I can't. The Four Seasons, ladies and gentlemen. The Four Seasons. And according to this piece here, Vivaldi made approximately 100 ducats a year as the Maestro de Capella at the Hospital della Pietà, a girls' orphanage in Vienna. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Venice, not Vienna, Venice. 
as well as bonuses for the composition of new works. Tourists are said to have flocked to hear Vivaldi leading the orchestra. That sounds to me like if you're bringing people in, you're going to make a ton of coin. Yeah. Doesn't that sound like pay? it to me? Yeah. A hundred ducats a year. Now understand that's all that this is based on. This is the income from 1703. That's worth today 10,000 euro. So it sounds the guy probably had to be on some kind of food stamps. Now, oh my gosh. Now, Government assistance. Now it says here that he probably made money from performance. Look, tourists are said to have flocked to hear him leading the orchestra. Flock is the key word. Also the concept of bonuses for the composition of new works. So I have to believe 10,000 was the base salary, but still 10 grand? According to today, I can't imagine he was going home to a mansion unless the you know they're throwing money at him in no, the street. No, he's not. And again, you think Vivaldi? This guy has to have you know coin all over the place. He was the rock star of the day. Yeah, what are you gonna do? Oh, okay, let's play something. All there, right. there is this thing called the Vivaldi Metal Project, where they play the Four Seasons in a heavy, heavy, heavy uh, metal format, which is really interesting. But the one I'm gonna play because I don't have a whole lot of time. In 1997, Ingve J. Malmsteen played Air on a Theme, which is based on Antonio Vivaldi's Largo from the Piccolo Concert in C or Concerto in C. I am not a I am not a classical guy. These big <laughs> words are frightening me. So here you go, is Ingve J. Malmsteen, I can say that. Here on Rock School. <laughs> Coming into the first break out of Ingve Malmsteen, one of the more calmer Ingve Malmsteen songs. Thank goodness. <laughs> yeah. Uh, once again, thanks a lot to Stephen Pritchard, who wrote a wonderful little column. It's called How Much Money Do Famous Composers Make? You'll find it on the Adzuna blog, and uh, he was nice enough to allow me to grab the information and just simply use it to put together the show. Scott Joplin. He of the Maple Leaf Rag. Remember that? Yes. Okay, how much does Scott Joplin make? The income that was put together by Mr. Pritchard was in 1909, and it says here sales for Joplin's most famous piece is thought to have hit somewhere around a half a million dollars, or pardon me, a half a million in sales in 1909. Assuming royalties earned Joplin one cent per copy, he would have earned around $600 from this one piece of music alone. So Pritchard puts the amount of money that he would have made in 1909 somewhere around 10000 1959 euro which again the euro to dollar is one euro to one and seven cents dollars so worth today 10,959 it's not 10,959 back then in 1909 so he wasn't making he wasn't making any well, uh, you know, I gotta believe. I guess he's making a living, right? He well, was yeah. being fed when he was doing, doing the show. I'm sure free food or free beer, or booze, whatever. There had to be something other than that because you're not living on ten nine fifty nine. You're you're not doing very well. You're you're not. 
you're not able to keep a house and things like that. I was really amazed at how low the amounts were. I expected there to be sort of rock star level amounts of money. Does he say anything about their fame actually, you know, getting them houses and and cars or, you know, anything like that? Oh, he does not. No, the the Pritchard piece, Uh it, it is exactly what I'm telling you. It's a nice picture of the person. It shows the income. It tells a little bit about it. And then that's it. Gotcha. It is a a nice, you know, bit by bit little thing that you read and go, well, that's interesting. So that's what I'm looking at. We got to take a break. We got somebody listening to us. Grab your piece of paper there. Who's, Uh, uh, who's listening to us? Well, that's KSKQ in Ashland, Oregon. Excellent. Catch us on Facebook, search Rock School Radio Show and like us. You really like us. I put up trivia every Thursday. And uh, also the show runs on Thursday here on the flagship station, KSLU. Back in a minute on Rock School. Break, Peter Ilyich Tchaikovsky. That was a mouthful. It was uh, Tchaikovsky, T-C-H-A-I-K-O-V-S-K-Y. I'd like to take names that are impossible to spell for 200, Alex. Uh, Swan Lake is what you'd probably know Tchaikovsky from. The income that we're talking about is in 1866. It says here Tchaikovsky's role as professor of music theory at the newly opened Moscow Conservatory came with a modest 50 rubles per month salary, ladies and gentlemen. But his career was already on the up. The appointment coincided with the first public performance of his work at Pavlovsk Park. P-A-V-L-O-V-S-K, Pavlovsk Park, I assume is how you would say that. Wow. So he's got an income, 50 rubles per week. And uh, then, of course, I got to believe there's uh, lessons on the side and other things like that. So what does that 50 rubles per week come out to be? It says here 5,429 euros today, which is a, a little more in dollars, but it seems low. Now, remember, we're in Russia here. So back then, that probably translated to a little bit more money and a little bit more because he was a professor of music theory at a conservatory. So I assume he lived a little bit better then, don't you think? Oh, I would hope so. Probably. (laughs) All right, let's play something based on a Tchaikovsky tune. 1974 Annie Song by John Denver is based on Tchaikovsky's Symphony No. 5. Again, second movement. I don't know what's wrong with the first movements. Nobody wants the first movements anymore. It's the all second, the second's always better, it's right? The, it's all second movements these days. I don't get it. John Denver on Rock School. You fill up my senses like night in a forest, like the mountains in spring. That 
That's Annie Song, John Denver here on Rock School, getting us to the bottom of the hour. My name is Joe Burns. You are? I'm Tammy Burns. Right. Look, you got to hear that song, and you didn't even have to go to a wedding. Huh? <laughs> yeah. You feel good about yourself? I do. I feel better about myself. I do. I do. I do. Let's do 7 Days, 70 Seconds. Uh, we're going to get back to talking about all the famous composers here a little bit. By the way, um, Tammy went looking on her iPadio device for the, uh, the, the blog post, how much money do famous composers make? And it didn't come up first in the Google search. Right. It did, though, when you threw in the website name, Adzuna, A-D-Z-U-N-A. Throw that in, and this thing will pop right and up to the top. it is a beautiful website. It is. It's well put together. It's uh, it's visual. It's it's not as much text-based. It's a lot more pictures than text. Yeah, you're going to want to see this. It is. Stephen Pritchard, again, giving me permission to uh, put all that in there. But again, we're doing seven days, 70 seconds, uh, February 6th through February 12th. Those are the rock and roll dates. Something that happened this week on each one of those dates. Tammy's got Monday. Go. February 6th, 1964, tickets for the first Beatles appearance. On CBS's Ed Sullivan show, Sell Out. Feb 7th, 1966, the first magazine dedicated specifically to rock and roll music called Craw Daddy is published by Paul Williams in New York City. February 8th, 1964, responding to reports of the supposedly obscene lyrics in the Kingsman's Louie Louie. The song's publisher offers $1,000 to anyone who can prove it. It would have been nice if the Kingsman had come forward and said, they yeah, didn't. we'll say anything you want, just give us the $1,000. Oh, yeah. February 9th, 1975, the variety show Share, which I watched, I hate to admit it, uh, debuts on CBS with guests Elton John and Bette Midler. February 10th, 2011, the video for Rebecca Black's song, Friday, is uploaded to YouTube. Oh, that was such a hit and then people just started tearing her apart popular music is popular for a while and then we either let it go or we hate it february 11th 1979 abc airs their then tv movie elvis starring kurt russell and february 12th to wrap us up 2015 laugh-in announcer bob owens dies at the age of 80 and that wraps up seven days in 70 seconds let's play another one that comes from one of the famous composers we're talking about today mozart evanescence has a song called lacrimosa which comes from the lacrimosa sequence from mozart Requiem from all the way back in 1791. However, if you're a real music person, you know that what the group did was transpose from the original D minor to E minor to get to Amy Lee's singing key. If you didn't know that, well, now you do. It's Evanescence on Rock School. the second break. Now, let me tell you in this second break that the reason I know all of this is because I took a series of music theory courses in college. Okay. It is said that when you're 10 years out of college, 
something like 92, 93% of everything you learned in college is pretty much gone. I believe that. Okay. Yes. But that means about 7 to 10% is still stuck in your brain. Yeah, but it's not the good stuff. No, no, this is the good stuff. Oh, is it the good stuff? Right. This stuff that's stuck into my brain. Richard Wagner is inside of my brain for one reason. We had this woman who taught us music theory. And she was one of these ladies that was perpetually 60 years old with a beehive hairdo. And we loved her. Uh Everybody loved her. And I remember she started, if it wasn't the first class, it was real early in the class. And she went right to Wagner. And she's playing these things and she's explaining theory and such like that. Well, getting to the Pritchard thing, Wagner, the income in 1849. Now, what you would know from Wagner is maybe the bridal chorus. Here comes the bride, all dressed in white. Wagner was paid a salary of 1,500 thalers in 1849, the same year he fled Dresden with debts of 20,000 thalers. Well, gosh, the worth was because he owed 20 grand, but he was paid uh, 1500 Well, he apparently spent a lot of it. Okay, so what? Let me tell you a couple things about Wagner that you will find, I hope you'll find interesting. Many people think he's the father of heavy metal because of the way he used deep, strong instruments. Hmm. Also, that wall of sound that Phil Spector does, yeah. Spector says he got the idea for it from the way Wagner wrote his music, layering one type of instrument over another, over another, over another. And you say, okay, those are two nice pieces of information. Here's the one that the lady in the bouffant beehive hairdo, though, brought to us. Her statement was the vast amount of musical knowledge in the world of classical that we in America get comes from Bugs Bunny cartoons. Right. Where you're going to know a Wagner song is from something called his Ring Cycles, which is this 15-hour fantasy about gods and men and power and such. And where you probably would know a tune is Ride of the Valkyries. Right? Right. I do know that. Well, there is a Bugs Bunny cartoon called What's Opera Doc? Killed a wabbit. Right. Killed a wabbit. Right, right, right. And that killed a wabbit, killed a wabbit, is Wagner. Nice. I know that took me forever to go around the back of the house to get in the front door. But that's Wagner. That's where you would know him from. (laughs) Ta-da! Who's listening to us? Oh, I don't even know. Let's see. W-O-U-B in Athens, Ohio. Excellent. Now, here's the thing. I have killed a wabbit. So I'm going to play, I'm saying this for our affiliates out there, all 17 of you. I'm going to play Kill the Wabbit. It's going to take, I don't know, 18 seconds. Then we're going to go straight into the break. Okay? Okay. Back in a minute on Rock School. Wabbit twikes. Kill the wabbit, kill the wabbit, kill the wabbit. 
Out of the break, let's talk about Claude Debussy. What you might know by him is Claire de Lune. That would be... How does that go? I'm, it, now, remember, it's a piano concerto, so I'm not going to do it justice. But the main melody where you normally hear it, uh, and it comes about, geez, a minute and a half into it, but bum, 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 bum. Bum, 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 like that. Okay. That's, and, and I, again, I'm not doing it justice, but if you go to YouTube, you'll very quickly find Claire de Lune, and when you hear that, you'll go, oh, I've heard that in 900 things, different huh? things, right? Okay, Claire de Lune uh, and uh, author Claude Debussy says here, the height of Debussy's total income was over 45,000 francs a year in 1910 and 1912, which included composing for London, uh, 200 guineas, 5,000 francs. However, his lavish lifestyle meant he spent around 20,000 francs a year, even when he was earning much less, under 5,000 francs in 1907, for example. He died in 1918 with a debt of 66,000 235,000 francs. However, for this Stephen Pritchard blog post, he figured out the income of Debussy in 1910, and he said 206,997 euros. So, for that year, woo, you did pretty good, Claude. <laughs> Not bad. Not bad at all. Okay, I got to play something, and I don't have a rock song that is based on Claire de Lune. I don't have anything that's based on uh, Claude Debussy. But we were just talking about Wagner and how much I was really into him, and I mentioned that he is, in some way, shape, or form, responsible for the wall of sound, so I thought I would play a song that cool. had to do with the wall of My sound. My favorite stuff. I oh, like it. Yeah, yeah, yeah you <laughs> bet. Deal. Here you go. It's uh, something from the wall of sound on rock school There you go, River Deep Mountain High, an example of the wall of sound, Phil Spector's wall of sound, uh, out of Gold Studios, Los Angeles. And the reason is because I mentioned it during Wagner and I didn't have anything to play for Wagner. As a matter of fact, I don't have anything to play for the uh, the remainder of the composers I have that were brought up in the Stephen Pritchard blog post here. Uh, so I have to go back to uh, other people and I, I don't know that I want to play a 10-minute piano concerto. I just want to get to more information. We so. thank you for that. There you go. Haydn, Joseph Haydn, you might know him for the Ryder Quartets. In fact, that's the uh, the one that is brought up in the Stephen Pritchard piece. Pritchard talks about the income of Haydn in 1856. Why? Haydn was hired by the wealthy, I'm going to take a swing at this name. Swing and a miss. I'm guessing it's going to be a swing and a miss. The Esther Hazy because it's got the the accent on the A, mm -hmm. Esther Hazy, maybe it's Esther Hazy. It's a family, and they hired him as a Kapellmeister, basically a director of music. A contract from 1761 showed that he was paid 400 florins a year, received in quarterly payments. He was also given food and lodging provided, so his income in 1856 was worth 10,000 euros today. Can you imagine having mm -hmm. that kind of money? Today? 
No, well, we'd no, be no, living no. in our car. No, I but... mean you. Ha- you are so wealthy that you hire a composer. Oh yeah, just to show just up. Just for music. Yeah, I, I've had that discussion with people. If you were wealthy beyond That's what crazy have you, money. What would be the thing you would have every day? And and my thing has always been: I'd have fresh sheets on the bed every day. And I would have someone cook at least one of my meals every day. You have that already. <laughs> that's that's Congratulations. true. But the person I pay wouldn't remind me of it in a nasty fashion when, when she Did got angry at me. Yeah, I get a look. I have to place something else here. So let's go back to uh, Johann Sebastian Bach. There's a lot of rock songs that are based on Bach tunes. In 1972, Paul Simon wrote American tune based on the hymn O Sacred Head by Johann Sebastian Bach. Let's play it. Why not? Push the button here on Rock School. Many's the time. I've been mistaken And many times confused Wonder what's gone wrong I can't help it, I wonder What's gone wrong Okay, last break here on Rock School, and I've got one more composer to talk to you about. Edward Elgar, and you know an Edward Elgar tune. I do. Pomp and Circumstance. Oh, I do. March number one. Every time somebody graduates, there it is. So that's the one you know. Where might you have heard him before? If you are at all a movie buff like uh, like I am, like you are, Greystoke, the legend of Tarzan, is almost all Elgar music. Very cool. In The Matrix, a lot of the electronic music is heavily influenced by Elgar. It says here also there is a hit called Clubbed to Death by Rob Dugan. Big sections of it are part of Elgar's Enigma Variations. So there you go. I have no idea what all that at the end meant, but it's a club hit that somebody put together off of Elgar's music. Sweet. So how much does Elgar make? says here the income is from 1879 as musical director at Powick County Lunatic Asylum. Not kidding. Elgar earned a flat rate of 30 pounds a year. He topped up his income with compositions, which would have earned him around five shillings a piece. So the worth today would be from the year 1879. The worth today would be 3,362 euro, ladies and gentlemen. So there you have it. And before we get out of the show, I'd like to one more time thank uh, author Stephen Pritchard. It took me a long time to find him. Yeah. Because I found a Stephen Pritchard who wrote for a financial paper, a financial magazine. Not him. No. Did then you, I, did then you I, talk to the to the guy? No, that's Stephen Pritchard. No. Then I found another Stephen Pritchard who was an editor of some magazine somewhere. Wow. Not him. That Stephen Pritchard then got in touch with some other person who knew the right Stephen Pritchard, and that Stephen Pritchard no then got way. in touch with me. Right. It took me a good two weeks to get in touch with him. Wow. But once in touch with him, he was uh, very, very kind and said, please go ahead, use it, and by all means, once it gets posted, you know, let me know so he can hear it. Well, and, you, you know, I have to congratulate you on something. Me? What? Yes. What? On your ability to speak. 
Why? Because the names are so wicked oh, hard? Oh, my goodness. Yeah, some of them. Yeah, you get an A-plus today. Thank you so Perfect. much. Once again, Stephen Pritchard, author, How Much Money Do Famous Composers Make? Make sure you search Adzuna and you'll run right into it. And that is it. Thank you, Stephen, for letting me use it. And that'll wrap it up. We're going to get out with uh, a piece that I mentioned earlier on in the show, something from Vivaldi. There is the Vivaldi Metal Project, and they do the Four Seasons. So we'll wrap up with something like that. I'm done. I'm Joe Burns. You are? I am Tammy Burns. That'll do it. Class is dismissed.